Hello and welcome to another installment of the Under the Spotlight podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. This podcast is a collaboration between Y Football and Breaking the Lines, addressing key topics in the Premier League and English football generally. Today, Eches and I will be discussing the Chelsea ownership saga, Roman Abramovich, his influence on the Premier League, and we'll discuss what do Chelsea deserve um, in context of this, this current situation. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and at BDLVid. And subscribe with us on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Uh, Eches, good evening. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well. It's uh, Mothering Sunday today. So shout out to all the mothers out there. <laughs> doing, you know that you know that uh, Kelechi Inacho one where he had that really lovely speech when he scored a hatty against Sheffield United. No, and he, yeah, that. yeah, no, he he basically gave a shout out to all the mothers as well, and it was it was, it was a pretty good video. <laughs> I was trying to replicate that, but um, yeah, I haven't managed to do it as well. But yeah, I'm good. Um, of course, some of the international ball yesterday, especially the Arsenal players that were playing. Pepe scored a really good goal against France, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sent. Pavard and Kunde to the chip shop and the, the donor shop uh, in quick succession <laughs> for burying it. I think Odegaard also got a goal uh, for Denmark. Um, yeah, I think Badagan mm. as well got one. So it was a profitable uh, few days for all the Gunners players. Aside from that, just uh, been relaxing, seeing a few friends. You're in the northeast, aren't you, Jordan? I have, yeah. I've been spending a bit of time there this week. Just thought I'd stay up here for uh, for Mothering Sunday. Ah, it, it, it's, Mother, Mothering Sunday is lovely. Oh, some of the Instagram posts I find really boring. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too <laughs> maybe I'm just too sad. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> he gave he gave birth twenty years ago. Well, you did you you were doing a round of applause in your living room. Like, well done, love. Yeah, like well a sarcastic <laughs> sarcastic clap. But uh, yeah, it's all nice and that. But I think on Instagram, I think people just love to pay a picture of their lives. And I just think, well, what what are you actually achieving? I, <laughs> yeah, I I do think. Mothering Sunday posts or pictures of your grandparents or your parents if they're alive. I do find it odd in a way when you promote it on social media when they don't have it. Well, exactly. It's, that's the like, thing. None, it, of people, none of these people's mothers have, like, my mom doesn't have Instagram. I'm not going to post a picture of her on there to like 400 followers who I'm going to clue who she is above maybe my mother and say this this is the hero or the heroine of my life so what's the point yeah you're not wrong it is a bit strange it's like number one queen love you and it's like <laughs> but, your mom, but your mom's not on Instagram so she's never going to see it it's like I'm, yeah. I'm going off on a tangent now um, believe it or not this is a football podcast but it's like mm. when it's it's someone's birthday and they then post like 4,000 pictures of that one person on their story why <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like yeah. I, I, at least they're on social media but it's like yeah why have you got like a hundred pictures of you and this person together I don't want to see that but maybe as as you rightly pointed out maybe we're just sad I think that's part of the problem maybe maybe but people do you know people on, on Instagram are really and I just see Instagram because I think it's where it's the worst place for this but like it, it is quite narcissistic I think and it's all about like you know you don't you if you post your picture of your mother on Instagram and she hasn't got Instagram so she can't see it you might sure you've done it Ultimately, though, it is for you and to show everyone how much you love your mom. So everyone like thinks highly of you. Do you know what I mean? It is. Mm. I do think there's a kind of sinister aspect to it. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. No, we're not. We're here to talk about more. Well, not more pressing things, but certainly more interesting things. Yeah, you are not wrong. So to kind of kick this episode off, um, as I'm sure everyone's aware, there's been issues with the war with Ukraine. 
um mm. but in the in the weeks leading up to that we had like a real media sort of expert class from Roman Abramovich um where he decided to say oh you know I'm going to sell Chelsea football club and everybody was like oh wow what's going on and he then said he'll be looking to write off the 1.5 billion pounds he's being um, he's owed and he's handing the stewardship and care to to the club or, or the club's mm-hmm. foundation of trustees and all the fans were like roman like you're such a legend that's mm-hmm. a real owner he doesn't care about the money he cares about the club uh, as as his first and number one priority when in reality, what was actually happening was is that Roman Abramovich was trying to sell the club as quickly as possible so that uh, he wasn't sanctioned under the new um, regulation that had been brought in against Russian businessmen in Europe. Um, and, that, and that's basically what happened. He got sanctioned in time and now we're in the situation now where the UK government is in control of Chelsea, meaning they're banned from transactions with UK individuals and businesses. Mm. Chelsea got a special license, which has changed now. I think they may be allowed to sell tickets. I can't remember specifically, whereas only before um, existing uh, ticket holders could attend games. The whole point of this is essentially to ensure that uh, Big Roman doesn't actually profit from it. And doesn't get any money, which has caused a whole load of issues in terms of transfers. We've got um, Rudiger's deal is close to running out. And we've got um, Christensen as well as Big Dave or Cesar Aspilicuota to some uh, (laughs) close to leaving to other clubs as a result of this stalemate between the government and Chelsea Football Club. Um, It will be really interesting to kind of see who actually takes over Chelsea um, and how that kind of works with the UK controlling the sale process. It's now down to four buyers, I believe. All mm. American. I can't remember. Mm. There's a mix of American buyers from a few clubs. I know that uh, the Chicago Bears owner is involved and uh, Atalanta's as well, but I think he can't because of uh, uh, competition rights because obviously you can't have two owners of the same club. So it'd be interesting mm. to see where Chelsea end up. That's true. Why is Cesar Aspilicueta called Dave? Uh, because English people can be really, really ignorant and they find his last name too hard to say. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> that's, literally, that's literally the answer. I didn't know if that was like uh, he called himself Dave no. for, that very, for that very reason. So no, he didn't no, want no. to explain. Uh, okay. Fair, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm all in favor of any sanctions that, uh, that lead to um, weakening Russia in this conflict um, or people that are close to to the Kremlin and Putin, like allegedly Roman Abramovich. Um, but what I do find a little bit, a little bit like <laughs> almost a bit amusing is um, Roman getting sanctioned on the basis that, yes, yeah, we're going to sanction this guy um, as a result of the, the Russian conflict for the money he stole from the Russian people. What, you you knew he stole money from the Russian people 15 years ago when he joined Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're suddenly saying it's wrong. I know it's all about the war. And the fact that he's close to Putin, Putin has went that step further from being, um, you know, the, the kind of rogue leader of a state that people dislike and was doing things like, for example, annexing Crimea and other things in the world um, that were causing tensions and were causing criticism. And there's been sanctions by the US and other countries for him before. Um, but now he's, step, he's, he's obviously moved. <laughs> he's really pushed the port out with the, with the invasion of Ukraine. Um, and that's why this has happened. But I still find it quite like it's like it's almost like the Premier League is happy to have dirty cash in its leagues until yeah. something really serious happens. And that's exactly what I see here. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's just it's almost just like you see this happening. And you think 
the fact that a club within the Premier League is involved in this in the first place is a sign that the Premier League is not doing enough to prevent owners who are connected with such dirty cash and such like dangerous people coming into the league. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just all a bit of a farce, really. It's like we're bringing on all of these sanctions and we're doing all of this to protect the image of the Premier League. I actually, the Premier League, which I'll come on to later, have escaped all of this really easily. None of the light mm. or spotlights have been shone on them at all. But we'll touch on that a little bit later. Kind of next thing I wanted to talk about was do the Chelsea fans actually deserve the sanctions, i.e. not being able to attend games and having issues in terms of how it impacts their club in terms of finances. I know that they'll probably be sold by the time the summer comes round, but this disruptive period has not has not been kind on the club and how they've been able to operate. Um I I sympathise with them if the club was, you know, going to rot. It's not because it's too lucrative and it'd be bought up before them. But the sympathy I have for them is extremely limited due to fans' inexcusable defences for Abramovich himself. Mm. It's very much like, it's, it's it's kind of sports washing in a nutshell, which, which I'll come on to a little bit later, which is essentially, okay, imagine this. I, I, to all our listeners, I'll put it like this, right? If I give my whole salary from my day job to charity but i punch 10 year olds in the face all day after work does that make does that make me a good person no doesn't does it because it doesn't really it, it doesn't does it because yeah you could say oh you know etches punched kids in the face but he gave his whole you know his whole salary to charity so yeah, it doesn't matter, and it's and, and the reason why he's that that very weird analogy is because the same Roman Abramovich he enriched himself in the years following the collapse of the Soviet Union by obtaining Russian state-owned assets at prices far below uh, market value in Russia um, from the former president Yeltsin, who uh, Putin was then brought in after him, and then Putin was like, "You can still operate on those ties. All we want from Yeltsin to Putin is basically your loyalty, or to not cause any disruption within the country." Mm. And then they've thought, "Yeah, we'll do that." They've got extremely rich, and as a result, Chelsea fans just don't seem to care. You know, who really cares what what was going on in Russia and corruption as long as they're winning trophies, right? It's basically mm. sports washing, like clubs in the modern era. Have basically fetishized money to the point where they don't actually they don't they don't care where it's from at all. No one does, and it's hard. I understand it's hard for fans to care because, in your selfish point of view, you're thinking about it from the club's perspective, and that's why I have such limited sympathy for Chelsea fans because all of the arguments have basically been, "But he's been a great owner." You know, I'm not, yeah, yeah, he's been a great owner. Yeah, for sure. Like he's he's he's, he's put all this money to a club. You've been so successful. But come on, you've got to look at it from a bit mm. beyond that and think, well, is this person a good person? And you, you pointed out rightly before, how has he even got involved to begin with? Because Chelsea fans would say, um, and, and like Newcastle United fans would say, and just the, the fans of other clubs that have owners that are a bit shady, would say, well, it's it's nothing to do with football. And you even see like Eddie Howe in an interview saying, I just stick to the football. But you, I get the fact that the fans, it's, they're not in control of who comes and they're not just going to stop supporting their club, but you can't just pretend as if the owners of your football club or your football club in a, as a whole does not play a part in um, in, in like society. So I just think, yeah, I think there's two sides to it. I think, I, I would argue that when, when Roman came in, uh, I remember seeing a clip, I can't remember the name of the Sky reporter, it was went quite viral on Twitter, 
where he was talking about like how Roman had acquired his money. This is like when Roman took over Chelsea. Because I remember being about 11 or 12 at the time, um, quite young, didn't really understand um, who Roman was, how he got his cash. Um, and so it was a good thing because it's all, all I saw was like, okay, another club's going to become good. It's going to be interesting to see. We're going to see a lot more talent come into the league. And that's going to be interesting as a fan of the Premier League to see all that and see those players and, and watch another team. Because at the time you had United and Arsenal who were dominating, um, see another team become as good and we'd see more competition, which would see more more of the top games, et cetera, et cetera. I think that led up to all of us as Premier League fans, not just Chelsea fans at that time, even though we were young. Probably fetishizing the, inf- the influx of cash too much. Um, you know, you saw the rise of Sky Sports, the commercialization of the game in, in England, um, and then the influx of, of global talent uh, into our football clubs and onto our screens. And um, obviously, f- Roman's influence, as we'll go on to discuss, didn't just um, have an effect on Chelsea, it had an effect on the whole of the Premier League and all Premier League clubs and how they are now. Is, is kind of, it has, has had an influence from that, I think. Um, if you've supported a club all your life, like, and they become distasteful, what do you do? And if you're a Chelsea fan, if you're a Newcastle United, I've seen Newcastle United fans who, who just do not agree with the actions of their owners, but don't know what to do because you're stuck in the middle, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, well, I, I love my club. They're a massive part of my life. But I also completely disagree with what our owners do. And the argument would always be, well, you should sack your club because people, are, human beings are more important than football. But, to that person, that's a massive part of their life. And you it's so easy to say, okay, they just turn their back on them, but can they? And should Chelsea fans? Um, I know it's different for Chelsea, but uh, they could condemn Roman and still continue supporting Chelsea. <laughs> it's yeah. a bit different because he's leaving. No, I, com- I completely agree. And I think there definitely is a way fans can just support their club and not necessarily um, popularise or support the ownership. Mm. But it's the defense of Roman from Chelsea fans that's been really frustrating. All the games that they've had, all the games that they did have where they had fans there or outside the ground, they're still singing his name. And that's just not good. I mean, you could Mm. argue, I understand their frustration because as we pointed out, the Prem let him in. So it's a bit like if he's as dirty as you say he is, which everybody kind of knew, why was he allowed in the first place? I do get that frustration. And I think that's a fair point. However, yeah. you've got you got to raise your hands and be like, "Look, I'm a Chelsea fan. It's not right. He shouldn't be involved, even though he's made it successful." But none of the fans really, or the ones I've seen anyway, none of them have really taken that account of it. It's all been a bit like, "Oh, people are ruining our club, and they want to get involved." The government haven't just woken up one day and thought, oh, "You know, let's just ruin Chelsea Football Club." Mm. Like, it's the, <laughs> they've not decided that. I, it, 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 to some narrow-minded individuals, it comes across as we're being targeted. It's not the case at all. It's yeah. it's realistically everybody's obsessed with money because the spotlight's on the government to make a move. They've made a move and that's impacted Chelsea. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations. And that kind of touches on my next point, which is, does the Prem actually care? It's in short, no. I think what the Prem care about and what they probably would have done, I think it was Richard Scudamore, the old chief executive of the Premier League, is he managed to make the Prem the best league in the world. We were born at a time where Syria was the most dominant league, probably. A lot of our best players used to want to go there. I know Barca and Real Madrid still held that pool with the likes of McManaman and Owen, etc. But it was always, mm. I think Syria had a time where you had four or five, six teams that were really, really uh, glamorized across Europe that everybody kind of wanted to play for with the Milans and Juventus and Fiorentina and Lazio for a time and Roma and even Parma, um, to, to, to name a few. 
and what we became was we became the dominant force with all of that money and that's kind of what happened you know we had the introduction of the Roman and the Glazers and the Mansours and that just just pushed the Prem into a, a new stratosphere where the Premier League is unrivaled with money unrivaled I think if you aside from the Giants across the other European leagues unrivaled in terms of the amount of money being paid from coaches to analysts to playing staff mm-hmm. it, it can't be rivaled and, and, and that's essentially why I don't think the Prem care because of the bottom line is do they have the money if it's a yes the rest will sort itself out I mean we have the, uh, probably the best set of managers in the world forget players what well, we've got Pep Guardiola here we've got Jurgen Klopp here arguably two of the best coaches currently in football or at least definitely within the top five I would say then you've got Antonio Conte serial winner fantastic coach as well then you've got um, Thomas Tuchel I forgot about Thomas Tuchel again mm. except tactician brilliant manager then we've got um uh who else is in the league there's, there's so there's so many other names as well or fantastic managers that we've that we've managed to accumulate which again i don't think is rivaled across europe uh to, to that level or that degree um, and, and that's what the prem's done with all of this money it's managed to do that um and that's why i find really interesting but kind of going back on to the point around uh, how the Prem lets these people in. I actually went online to try and read about the uh, owners and directors test, which is to make <laughs> sure that you're not like a stand-up, you make sure you're a stand-up person. So basically in this test, it outlines the requirements that would uh, prohibit an individual from becoming an owner director at the club. These include criminal convictions for a wide range of offenses uh, or breaches in certain key football regulations, such as max match fixing, which I find really interesting because obviously people fail these tests, but I'm pretty sure the Premier League, I'm willing to pass anybody that has enough money, so to speak, as long as it passes the right sort of checks. I think check in inverted uh, commas is a very loose term there because otherwise, like, for me, I'm sure Roman just would never have entered uh, along, yeah. along with a few other parties, which I think are um, obvious uh, for all to see. Um, which is which is which is uh, interesting to say the least because we've now got one or two owners in the Premier League, potentially more without us knowing that definitely have shadier pasts. But one thing I also want to discuss is you know has Roman actually been a positive influence in the Prem? And I say this lightly because obviously this me- this means I'm part of the bandwagon that's fetishizing money and saying that we should we should get anybody in that's willing to enhance the Prem. But we were mm. at a time when he came in where Arsenal and United were trading leagues with each other for eight years, I think, um, who were the main competitors. And I think Roman's entry inflated prices for sure, but I think it pushed those two clubs out of their comfort zone you know, Arsenal were essentially just were ahead of their time in terms of scouting, therefore acquiring a lot of players for peanuts. Then they turned out to be 30, 40 million pound players back then. Mm. They were then blown out of the water because Chelsea were essentially like, all right, we'll, we'll buy these same players for ridiculous fees. And they just banished Arsenal to the benches, really. Arsenal didn't win a league mm. title since Roman. No, Roman's first year, they were unbeaten. And then after that, they didn't win a league title again. So we essentially relinquished them. Man United mm. were forced into an arms race in terms of buying the best and competing with Chelsea. And Liverpool were actually left in the dust, really, for quite a long period of time. Mm. I think what Roman did is he shook up that that level of competition and changed the structure of the Prem, which I think it needed. I, I, I don't know how long Arsenal United would have dominated for. I think what would have happened is 
United probably would have gained more control and would have just dominated more and more. I mean, Arsenal, in that eight-year period, Arsenal only won three league titles out of the eight. I think we would have probably have seen that, that record stretch more in United's favour. So mm. he's definitely switched it up in terms of competitiveness, um, which which was always a positive for the Premier League. Um, but, you know, it, it, he's tarnished the league's reputation with his murky past. In a way, you can't have it both ways because... You know, I, I would say he's been a positive Premier League, but I'd also say the Premier League should never allow that sort of money in. But then I think from the Premier League's perspective, it's, it's not really, as I said before, it's not about where the money's from. It's about how much money they have. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're the chief, chief executive or the manager director, like someone like Scudamore of the Premier League, your job is to grow the Premier League. Um, and so, therefore, blocking investment is not a good way of doing that. Even if, I mean, it's got, it comes from dirty cash, so it should be, it should have been blocked in theory. Um, or even if it's come from a state, it's the, the source of that cash should still be relevant. But from his point of view, or from any executive's point of view at the top of the Premier League, it's about growing the Premier League. And I can see too, quite a large degree, why they would be hesitant to block someone like Roman coming in. Um, you know, if he took his billions elsewhere, like you've mentioned, mm. leagues like Serie A that used to be, I mean, Serie A, I mean, he used to spend fortunes um, at the turn of, up to like kind of the turn of millennium and a little bit onwards. Um, but yeah, if, if if Roman had went to Serie A with his millions and took over one of the clubs there, uh, the same thing might have happened there and the Premier League would currently be second rate, third rate league. And um, But uh, in doing so, the Premier League has traded its integrity in for, for money and success ultimately. Um, and it has been successful. You cannot say that the Premier League as an organisation has not been successful in how it's grown its leagues and its brand. There's a lot of negatives to that as we've discussed with this kind of cash coming in and, and just generally speaking the inflation of money in the league which means that it's very difficult for those outside of it to then enter it and survive and be sustainable um the disparity within the league there's loads of reasons why it's not good for the game but in terms of the brand itself and the organization of the premier league how much they've grown in terms of market value market share of football as a whole how well sky sports and other companies have done off the back of it you cannot argue it hasn't been a success um so so yeah, I can see why the Premier League were hesitant, and even now, even with like the Saudis coming in, this probably is still that hesitancy to to stop it. And I've mentioned it on previous podcasts as well that when you once you allow a Roman to come in, you can't just then if you allow a Roman and you allow um, uh, Sheikh Mansur to come in, and then you just shut the door and say, okay, no, we're gonna, now we're going to really get things, t- we're going to tighten things up in terms of ownership test and we're going to stop a state from owning the club and we're going to stop anyone with a murky plus at Roman from owning the football club. Then these clubs just have a monopoly and which means they will just dominate the league for, for forevermore. Um, and so with that kind of uh, looseness in terms of the test still in place, we're seeing, you know, we've seen even more um, talks of investment. We've had obviously the Newcastle takeover. We had Saudi, Saudi cash linked with Chelsea as well in this process. Um, yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where, um, it's like the FFP argument, right? Where we have these really tight restrictions now, but because we have such tight restrictions, it, it, it stops people from entering the market of the super rich clubs, which means that super rich clubs, as you've highlighted before, dominate Europe. And it's the same with football. Mm-hmm. Now if we start saying, okay, no one else can enter. But then we essentially have these super rich people owning these clubs now. It's it's almost too late. I mean, yeah, got, it's anti anti competitive, isn't it? That's what exactly, people would say. Exactly. Mm. Which is why we now have got the we got a whole state that funded Newcastle, who will eventually become one of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, they they, they can fail honestly so many times. I think they will do, 
but they just will become one of the biggest clubs in the world. Like it's just, it's just, it's, it's a formality because, mm. as I said, money talks, right? You got United who have honestly wasted. I saw a thing since Ferguson retired; they spent one point one billion on transfers. They haven't won a title, but they're kind of close now in terms of their squad. But that's what I mean, right? They've literally squandered a billion <laughs> pounds. They've they made a billion, one point one billion pounds worth of signing since then. And my point being is that. When you're that big, you can honestly get it wrong three, four, five, six times, and then eventually it kind of falls into place. And it'd be the same with Newcastle. But you're right in terms of closing out that money, you, you can't really do that. And I just struggle to see how the Premier League kind of do it. And and it kind of ties into my last point. And just generally, what do Chelsea deserve? Like what you know, right? We've said Roman's been a positive influence to a degree. We obviously know his past has been quite murky. I think what Chelsea deserve is that. Chelsea could be anyone because I think before we even say the Premier League obviously Chelsea shareholders that's where it all starts from it starts from self-interest like if, mm. if someone comes to me let's say I've got shares in Chelsea which is what it would have started off as and uh, you offer me treble the price but I know that you're uh, you know a dodgy character from Russia would I sell to you realistically I would because I'm going to make triple my money on shares I've already bought do I have that moral compass say no I'm going to keep these shares even though you've literally offered me an exceptional deal you're going to you're going to sell and that's where it starts from before we even get the Premier League involved it starts from shareholders wanting to sell their stock to a foreign investor because they make a profit then it goes up the scale to the Premier League to say hey you got this guy coming in even the Premier League don't even profit from it but they're thinking as you said okay, this guy could go to Italy, this guy could go to Spain, let's get him locked in now and forget mm. about the rest of it later. Then even with the government checks and the fit and proper testing, they just bypassed all of it because ultimately at the end of the day, it all starts from self-interest. I think sports washing is bad and Chelsea do deserve to suffer, but it could be Arsenal, it could be City, it could be United. All of yeah. the Premier League clubs would have done the exact same because they mm. would look at it as, okay, forget what he's done, how does this benefit us? I think the Premier League has to do more to sift up these individuals, but they just won't because it's all about their self-interest, which is what is the Premier League doing? You know, how can the Premier League be better? How can the Premier League be bigger? Ideally, they want them to all be bought up by billionaires. And nearly all of the clubs are, to be honest, some billionaire or some form of another. And they want more Chelsea's and they want more people funneling all this money in. So it's not about sifting. I think what the Premier League will try and avoid is let, let's, let's try and get owners in that maybe will be we can kind of, they won't be on the news as much potentially, but I think for, I think it, uh, this lesson of Roman Vanvich and, and Chelsea Football Club, I, just, I don't think anything's particularly been learned. I think the Premier League will just ensure going forward, if they do have dodgy dealings, is it publicly known? And if it's not publicly known, they'll probably just be like, right, well, we'll get them in. And even then they don't care because you've got a state literally owning Newcastle. So it's, <laughs> I, don't, I literally don't think they care at all. Uh, it's kind of for that reason that the lack of care from the fans, the shareholders, the Premier League, the government, which is why I have no sympathy for Chelsea. I do think that their suffering is very, will be very short lived if they've suffered at all. I think fans have not gone towards it three games. So in terms of that, I mean, it's not great, but I think the mm. actual club won't go into any form of disarray because they're going to get new owners in the next however many months. And all of these owners also, guess what? Have lots and lots of money, so <laughs> I think Chelsea will be will be just fine. Um, but I just think, as well, on a side note of this, I remember when we had the big six and not the big six, sorry, uh, the Super League, and we had um, all of the protests and all the fans up in arms. 
it, it, it's quite pertinent how no one, no one's the only protest we've had now has been Chelsea fans protesting about the government uh, blocking them not going to games. We've had no other fans of any sets of clubs being like, get these, you know, bad businessmen out of our clubs or out of our country. Yeah. Because loads mm. of them are like, I would love that money. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's, that's where it all starts from, it's self-interest. None of these fans really care. And I don't blame them because ultimately at the end of the day, their whole point of view is, how does it benefit my club? As an Arsenal fan, I'll be honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want someone like Roman Vemich to join Arsenal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. But like you said, mm. what am I meant to do? Start supporting Barnett. I'll still support them. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's just not that straightforward. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think Chelsea deserve everything that's coming to them. But ultimately, I, don't, I, think, I think they've hardly suffered at all. Yeah, I think I, I agree. And I think um, a point that I was trying to make before that um, I'll expand on now is that as much as I don't sympathise with Chelsea and the fans too much because you're aware of his past and there was always a risk of something happening. Uh, you know, you're aware of his past. This guy's involved in, uh, he's involved with Putin, he's involved, involved with quite sketchy dealings and sketchy um, just situations. There's a chance that something could happen where he would no longer be your custodian, your your owner. Um, but I don't think we should be too hard on them as well. And like I mentioned before, and as you just said there, what would happen if my club was taken over by someone like Roman Abramovich, would I just stop supporting them? Probably not. And also, even like myself, I'm a supporter of a football club that are in League One, so I don't probably don't apply as much, but I'm still a fan of the Premier League. I watch the Premier League quite often. I love the Premier League for what it is. I do have a lot of disdain for parts of it, but I still would not enjoy the Premier League so much if all the investment had, you know, if Sheikh Mansur and Roman Abramovich and all these owners had actually went to different leagues and say if like United Kingdom, sorry, Premier League was like third or fourth in terms of the pecking order. And there was like, either the league was just a monopoly like it is in Germany and, and France or there's none of the good players in the world were there or like the best. And I'm watching like, I don't know, United against Arsenal and like, even though I'm aware that the quality is diluted compared to the rest of the world, I might still enjoy it, who knows, but, um, or even if this whole Sky commercialization thing and the TV show that is a football game now, it's not even just the sport, it's this TV show. It's like a drama. It's the music at the start on, <laughs> on Monday Night Football that Sky put on and David Jones around that massive thing. Like a lot of it I find really cringy and I don't, I'm not saying that I love all of it, but I do think as fans, we all take it in and consume it and we are all part of it. Um, so that's why we shouldn't be too hard on Chelsea fans, I think. Although, again, like you said, don't sympathise with them because you're owned by someone murky. Um, so I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you um, to Etches for pulling together the notes on this one. Um, please continue to tune in to uh, the Under the Spotlight pod- podcast, uh, a collaboration between ourselves, Wide Football, and Breaking the Lines. Um, have a good week, all, and we will see you next time. Cheers, guys.